Hello there, welcome to Talent and Grow. Thank you for tuning in to me today. However, you're doing so, I am your host, Paul Church. What's happening, people? And this is the podcast all about people. We're talking people attraction, people retention, looking after people. If you're looking for a people focused podcast, you've come to the right place. Today, we are joined by Andrew Wood, aka Woody, who is the co founder of Willow. Willow is a virtual interviewing platform. The tagline on Willow is very much, uh, says it all really, CVs don't work. Identify the best candidates and reduce hiring costs with Willow screening software. So you can get an idea as to what they're about. And today we're talking about really how we can move away from what is really an archaic way of assessing people, which is the CV. How do we move away from that? What, is the, what are the alternatives? How can we make it work? What are the benefits? So you're going to get everything uh, like that and more from this conversation with Woody. He's a great guy. Uh, he's an agency, ex-agency recruiter who uh, spotted a gap in the market and uh, decided to make a big change and set up a business, something I've got a huge amount of respect for. And uh, he's been incredibly successful so far in his journey. Uh, so without further ado, here is Woody. Just before we get on to our conversation with Woody today, just wanted to remind you that I am the co-founder of a business called the Anemo Group, and we are a flexible talent solution. And I think flexible is a really key word there. We, we fix hiring problems. Now, whatever your hiring problems might be, it might be you can't find the right people. It might be you're spending too much on agencies. It might be that you're looking to diversify your talent pool. It might be you've got uh, lots of processes internally that need to be sorted out or completely built from scratch. Uh, Or it might be all of the above. Um, Whatever it is that you're having a problem with from a hiring point of view, we can help you. So if you're interested to find out more for an informal conversation, drop me a note, paul at the nemogroup.com. Here we go. Here's Woody. Andrew, very warm welcome to Talent and Growth. How are you doing, my friends? I'm very good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Delighted to be here. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. And would you mind just giving a bit of an introduction into who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. So um, <clears throat> my name is Andrew Wood, but everybody calls me Woody. So um, most people know me as Woody. It was, In fact, weirdly, it was even on my wedding invites. So... That's how far the nickname goes, which is a bit strange. Um, but nonetheless, so my background is I have worked uh, predominantly in recruitment. So I worked for Pareto, if people know it. It's a household name in the sort of sales, uh, recruitment and training um, world, specifically with graduates. I worked there for 11 years, um, working with everybody from... I don't know, uh, Hewlett-Packard Enterprises through to eBury, one of the fastest growing um, fintech businesses in the world, sold to Santander for 350 million quid, which was quite cool, Um, uh, all the way down to, you know, tiny little SMEs that were hiring one and two grads at a time. Uh, And to be honest, that's where I really loved spending my time, to be frank, uh, in the weeds with small companies. Um, after my time at Pareto or during my time at Pareto, uh, started this concept of, um, I guess, really taking the kind of idea of hiring for potential that Pareto always had um, and 
uh, taking that into how can a, how can a bit of software actually help identify potential, save time and money, build efficiency, but also give access um, to candidates and give candidates access to opportunities that maybe they wouldn't otherwise see. Um, and essentially, Willow was kind of born out of that. Plus, my uh, my business partner Ewan, who had built startups, started to explore how to use one way video interviewing. Um, and uh, and yeah, we sort of came together and started to build Willow. That's I guess the background basically. And what was it? Was there kind of a how did the the journey to setting up Willow go? Was it uh, I, I want to start up my own business and I need to think of an idea, or did the idea come to you and thought actually I need to start up a business? Yeah, no. So I. Uh, I always knew, I always had a goal that by 35 I wanted to run my own business. Um, So I was writing down all these ideas like every single day. Uh, I'd write down three business ideas. I came up with some absolute corkers, uh, which I'll never admit to. Um, And sadly, I never came up with a good idea. However, um, Ewan had basically started Willow as a sort of embryonic actually more of a a job board that he kind of did an MVP, got it out there. And I kind of watched him longingly going like, oh, I actually really like that idea. Um, I wish I could do that. Maybe I'll I'll just do it on my own and sort of steal his idea, but do it slightly differently. And and at that point, I basically said to him, hey, mate, I, I actually would love to get involved in this and try and get this business going because I can see the potential. Ewan's background is really digital marketing, mine is recruitment, uh, and sales and those two things coming together, plus his ability to kind of grow products and having done that in the past, um, was really where it where it came from. So I I I guess I just joined Ewan's idea, um, and kind of took it from there really, and added some more sort of recruitment specific knowledge to the party. Love it. Okay. Well, fantastic. We'll look, we'll, sure we'll delve into a bit more about Willow later on. But of course, we're talking today around the, the, the concept of CVless hiring. Um, so let, let's just dive into that. Do you mind just kind of explaining what that means to you and how it differs from tra- tra- traditional hiring practices, except for the obvious, I suppose? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's difficult to not say the obvious things around CVless hiring, but essentially... <laughs> Um, there's three kind of core problems that you have with uh, CV-less or CV-based, sorry, CV-based hiring. And the first of those is kind of historic that actually um, when a recruiter looks at a CV, they have um, up to 150 different unconscious bias um, that uh, or biases that are controlling their brain and, and controlling their judgment of a piece of paper, including you know, what's the piece of paper that they looked at before and how's that actually framing how they're viewing this individual through um, through the eyes of a CV. Um, so first and foremost, it's, it's uh, you know, trying to move away from this sort of unconscious bias and judging people based on the things that you can assess in seven and a half seconds. Secondly, it's the future-proofing of the process. So... If, you're, if I was writing a CV right now, uh, I certainly wouldn't be writing it myself. I would just be straight out to ChatGBT and I would be asking it to optimize a CV for ATSs that use AI to scan CVs for potential within a specific sector, etc. So CV-less hiring is, is about, yes, it's about challenge unconscious bias, but it's also about future-proofing and removing uh, any sort of AI um, 
efficiency, you know, a, any AI um, bias, not bias, any AI um, usage from a candidate perspective. Um, and then the third and final, I guess, uh, issue that you typically have with um, CVs is actually just from a candidate perspective. It's just not a good experience typically when somebody is using CV-based hiring because what they'll do is they'll put a lot of friction in the process. They'll ask for a CV and then two seconds later there'll be an application form where they're also asking for more details that are basically on the person's CV. The candidate gets incredibly frustrated and uh, doesn't have a good, you know, doesn't have a good brand experience. Um, and often, you know, they'll drop out of the process. So the whole idea of CV-less hiring for me is about removing, you know, those historical issues and the future issues and really trying to identify the potential of a candidate um, through different means. So whether that's your more scientific means, so using something like uh, our good friends at Arctic Shores, and actually doing some gamification to understand the person's personality profile, how well that fits to the job opportunity, and actually really getting into a psychological overview of that candidate, number one. Or number two, from our perspective, you know, it's understanding um, how that person actually comes across and really getting a human element, but being able to do that at scale as opposed to you know, having to make 100 telephone calls and only getting through to 25 people. Um, so that's what, to me, CV-less hiring is, is kind of born out of um, and also, um, you know, where it's heading and how you do it. And even before this wave of AI that has swept us um, over the last kind of six months, um, the CV feels like it's been archaic for a long time. Why Why do you think the world has been so, I suppose, set on evolving in so many other ways and yet still retaining this, this very old-fashioned way of assessing people? The, well, the biggest challenge that anybody has is having a, a document or, uh, you know, a, a means that is universally applicable to any role. So a CV you can basically take and you can apply to 20 different jobs. Uh, an Arctic Shores personality profile right now, you can't take that and then apply to a job with it, if that makes sense. So no, I don't think anybody's really cracked what the the replacement for a CV is um, mm. that, that enables the candidate to basically walk into a shop and go, hey, this is you know, this is me, this is my experience, and this is why you should hire me. There's no other effective way uh, of showcasing yourself, apart from the development of things like video CVs, you know, people making their own websites, etc. But again, it's, you know, where where's the level of friction, etc. And also ATSs, processes, people's just habits and behavior, hiring managers obsessing over experience levels, all of those things just really lean people into the reliance on the CV world as opposed to trying to actually uncover the potential and find somebody that could do the job even if they haven't done it before. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we talked about how, um, why it's come about and the concept of it. So what's the, if we, what's the kind of selling points for a company who's thinking, okay, sounds interesting, so why, why should I do it? Yeah, um, why should you do it? I mean, for, first and foremost... I think it's it's pretty obvious uh, to me, at least, that CVs are becoming completely antiquated and um, 
if you like the the main reason for me to be totally frank is the fact that the average time spent uh, reviewing a, a CV and I kind of touched on it slightly earlier is seven and a half seconds right and the only thing that you're assessing within that is somebody's name where they went to school you know the kind of identifiable uh, information and you are having a fight or flight reaction to that information so you really can't battle against your unconscious bias within that if they worked at an employer that you had a bad experience with if they went to a school that you don't understand you know sadly if they have a name that you feel like you're nervous pronouncing when you try and call them these are all blockers to people actually getting an opportunity with an employer so for me the first kind of reason to get rid of cv hire to get rid of cv based hiring is just around that that bias and, and really opening up the opportunity and having an equitable process i just don't think cvs are, are, are really that equitable um, in any process so that's number one number two is um, despite the fact that you know the market is changing and we've got more and more candidates available for really tough roles we still have a huge skills gap um, and we still have to hire based on somebody's future capability and our ability to train them not on their you know their heritage or experience and all a CV does is show you somebody's experience so if they they could be the best future person for that job um, in the world, but if you look at their CV and they've got a you know a two one from whatever university a two two, uh, or they didn't go to university at all, or they've got no experience. The only place they worked in Burger King was in Burger King. You know, does that really tell you their cognitive capability as an individual? It absolutely doesn't. So the biggest reason to do it is is absolutely those two things. Try and have an equitable process that gives access to more candidates. And then secondly, um, actually just widen the pool of, of you know, talent that you have available to fill, um, to fill the roles. As a, as a former employee of Burger King, I'm absolutely uh, all for your reasoning <laughs> and uh, I appreciate you supporting us uh, with, your, with your CV-less concepts. Anytime. Anytime. I didn't. I worked. The only other place I worked, other than Pareto, um, was I worked at a um, children's theme park. So if you and I got a two-two from Loughborough, you know, I got ABC at at, um, at A levels. I'm an absolutely non-outstanding candidate, right? And you look at my CV, and it would not look uh, look great. But as soon as I got into an assessment centre where I'm being assessed on my competencies, right, as opposed to somebody looking at my CV and experience level, people could see, like, my levels of communication, competitiveness, etc. And look, you get that at Burger King. And, uh, and I think the funny thing is, like, you could, you could easily say on a CV that somebody's experience at Burger King was irrelevant but it's like it's what you it's what you as an individual make of that experience right absolutely I learned more than just how to make a good whopper let me tell you <laughs> yeah well I'm glad I'm glad I hope you made a good royale with cheese as well absolutely did I made the lot I made the lot um, okay cool so have you got some perhaps some examples that stand out for you of companies that have made this transition successfully for, to see with this hiring and the impact it's made yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna steal somebody else's case study. Um, well, I mean, am I gonna steal the, the? So there's there's two that I would talk about. One is uh, again just coming back to Arctic Shores, who worked closely with 
uh, a division of Siemens, and I don't want to do them a disservice by giving you exactly the wrong numbers because that would be terrible. Um, but they had been hiring, I can't remember, I think it was for like three years or something, um, trying to fill this role, and they'd had like eight applicants um, based on their CV. So the, the, the problem was not just the... The thing about CVless hiring is is actually if you, your whole process is based around CVs, it also means that your job applications, you know, your um, your uh, job posts, etc., all of those things are also geared around experience and CV, not around hiring for potential. So, if you're basing everything on experience and everything on uh, the, the sort of the heritage world of CVs, you're not even getting the potential in the top of the funnel. So they got a very, very small amount of um, applicants. Those applicants, you know, none of them fit the bill, none of them fit with the criteria of the company, etc. So they decided to do an experiment and switch over to CVless hiring. Um, and... Uh, at the end of it, they actually had, I think it was eight or nine candidates that were shortlisted based on potential as opposed to experience, right? So they they went from something like eight applicants to eight or nine um, actual candidates shortlisted for their role. So that's one example that um, you should head to their website and find out more about. The better example that I can give you is we worked with uh, the world's fifth largest employer, um, if you want to work out who that is, um, just Google it. And they were hiring for project managers in Scotland. Um, they typically, to, to hire, it was like a cohort of 20 people usually. It would usually take them about six months to do, and they would have you know, countless candidates coming through. So um, their uh, shortlist to hire ratio was like five to one. So what they did is they implemented Willow and they, and they kind of, they kept an application form so there was some paper-based um, application and information grab. But then they put Willow in as an additional stage that they then asynchronously assess these candidates. And what they found was, so not only did they reduce the time to hire from six months down to two months, mm-hmm. um, they also reduced the, uh, so they, they shortlisted 50 candidates for interview, 26 of them got the job. And a third of those candidates, looking backwards, a third of those candidates would have been rejected if it was based on their CV parameters and the application form alone. So they went from five to one to basically um, just over two to one um, in their interview to placement ratio. They saved literally four months' worth of time and they hired a load of people that would have been completely blocked from this opportunity purely based on something that was written down. Um, so, yeah, that's probably the best example I can give. Yep, some phenomenal stats there. So, look, we're sold. Um, this is the way to go. What 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 steps can a business start taking to to move in this direction? What, what, what kind of top-line advice would you give them? Yeah, so I think it, it comes back to that point that... Um, Actually, CVless hiring and hiring for potential is a is a real change in complete attitude towards hiring because uh, typically a hiring manager would hire for experience, right? So you have to start with 
firstly, as a sort of a TA group or a recruitment group, you have to look at your entire funnel from start to finish and say, okay, what if I were to go, right, we're going to hire for potential rather than experience, where are the blockers within that funnel and what needs to change with it? So it's going to be things like the job posts. It's going to be things like uh, your ATS and how it's set up to sort of scan CVs or whatever. Um, it's going to be a telephone interview uh, questions that you ask, you know, are they competency based? Are they experience based? Are they skills based? You know, how are you how are you doing that? Could you replace that with something that is more scalable, more consistent, and more equitable? Then it's really about educating. So once you've done that full funnel, it's really about educating your hiring managers around, you know, team. These candidates are probably going to look a bit different to what you're used to. Um, especially on paper. So if you ask me for a CV, I'm going to send it to you, but you might actually look at that CV and go, why on earth have you put this person in front of me? And what you have to build is that trust within the sort of internal org that you've identified skills, capability, cognitive uh, capability, you know, potential within the candidate um, to a point where you should be putting them in front of your hiring managers. So that's that would be where I would start is just look at the entire funnel, what are the barriers that you have right now and you know assessing things like I said like your job post, see how many bullet points of experience you're putting in, how many desired things endorsed etc. Um, and then really focusing on on driving what's going to assess for skill and potential um, as opposed to experience. And then the final part is, is like I say, just making sure you manage expectations of managers because you don't want to do have this wonderful new funnel that just gets nowhere because as soon as you put them forward for interview, um, your hiring managers just block it. Yeah, makes sense. What, what, what impact has AI, I mentioned AI earlier, and we both did, what, what impact has AI had or does it have on this concept of CVless hiring? Well, per- personally, I think it has a positive impact in uh, I think people are going to be left with very little choice but to start uh, assessing skills um, in a different way. Mm. Because as I said, AI gives a candidate the capability to write the perfect CV. I mean, the fact is, uh, ATSs that scan CVs, people have been trying to scan them for years anyway by just putting loads of white writing on the third blank page um, to get through the scanning bots, etc. Um, so uh, I basically, I basically think AI from a written format, written application, is going to completely transform the way that we have to recruit. It's going to, I definitely believe, get us back to a point where we um, rely more on the person-to-person skills and the person-to-person capability of assessing that potential and competence. Um, to a point where you can automate a lot of stuff, right, using AI, which is great, but in order to trust that the candidate is actually as good as they say, Mm. um, you're going to have to meet them face-to-face. I think the other thing I would just say is if you're... So this is me honestly looking quite far into the future, I guess. If you're really, really worried about AI, you know, clouding the view of whether a candidate's any good, and if somebody manages to get a job off the basis of effectively using AI, that is 100% somebody you want in your business, to be totally honest, because like it or not, 
AI is coming, right? It's already here, pretty much, and lots of people are using it in their job. I use it to write LinkedIn posts. I use it to compose difficult emails. And actually, if you can get somebody that's so expert at using AI that they manage to fool you even in your face-to-face interview um, and you know pull the wool over your eyes, that just means that they're going to be an effective employee because they're going to use AI day-to-day to deliver the results that you need. The question, I guess, then is... You know, could you use AI to automate it all? I, I don't think we're there yet, right? We need somebody that can use that tool, interpret the information, and then use it effectively. And if you know, I would hire twenty of those people right now if uh, if you could identify them actually. So there's kind of two sides to that. One is like, how do we negate the the, the kind of use of AI in applications? But then also like, there's a massive opportunity if you can find somebody that can you know, build a website with uh, with AI and, and automate loads of jobs that previously you had to do uh, you had to do manually or whatever it is, like hire that person. It seems pretty obvious to me. It's I don't know what you AI. think about that. Well, yeah, I, I, I suppose I was, what I was thinking when you were talking there is I find I... I'm actually I'm constantly worried that I'm not doing enough with AI, and actually there's other people out there doing my same job, and they figured out this system of how to use AI to do loads of stuff. But I'm using it a lot. I use it. I use it for like I use it for job descriptions. I use it for questions like uh, for our uh, my podcast. I use it for um, creating blogs, posts. Um, I use it for candidate write-ups and stuff like that. So I'm using it loads. Um, but I also but I listen. You know, you listen to recruiting brain food. You listen to something else. You think, God, am I doing it enough? Am I doing enough do I need to get ahead so it's, it's, it's a tough balance isn't it yeah it is and I, and I think you know the, the reality again of like I, I, I don't use it enough but what's enough like I'm still effective mm-hmm. in my role you know all of that stuff sometimes you want it to be a completely organic post and you want it to come from the heart like that's fairly obvious stuff but but I think the, the the ultimate role of AI is going to be automate the mundane crap that you don't want to do. That's that's all you should really you know think of it as, or mm. be a prompt for um, giving your own creative juices a you know a spark, like giving you ideas. Like great, mm. it's generated the questions for your podcast. But I guarantee, having read some of those questions, you've thought, okay, I'm going to ask this question as a starter, and then it might lead to this, that, and the other, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no way, like, I don't think anybody should feel guilty about, oh, am I doing enough with it? Or am I going to get overtaken by the AI stuff and all of that stuff? Because somebody's going to turn it into a product anyway that you can buy and that does mm-hmm. it all for you. The stuff that, you know, that you're probably really worried about, you'll just go out and buy it. You know, it's, it's, it's just a lot of hype um, over what is essentially you know, predictive texts that you've been using for years anyway, um, just a hell of a lot more sophisticated. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and what, what I yes, what I've been doing is, like, for instance, if when we when we met and we said, right, let's do this podcast episode, I took notes on the conversation. I took those rough notes, stuck them into ChatGPT, and then it generates the questions based on my notes. Actually, now the one step further with that now is I, I've I've kind of stopped doing note taking. I'm using AI to do my note taking. So now I'll be taking the AI note taking into turn that into questions, then yeah. turn it into blog, turn it into LinkedIn. So it's uh, yeah, it's kind of infinite, isn't it? It is, it is. And I think, you know, that, like, who wants to write, who really wants to write notes when you're on a video? Like, nobody, mm. surely. No. Because, of what, and, and the great thing about AI note taking, and there's some great stuff that you can do, and, and we're looking at this as well, like transcribing our videos and creating summaries, basically. Um, 
you know, you can you can find the information out of a conversation that you had much quicker if AI has recorded the the, the notes, right? Um, rather than you trying to scribble it down. And it also just means you can actually do the human-to-human stuff. Like, you yeah. can listen properly. You can ask more difficult questions. You can understand what the person's saying. You can show more empathy on a sales call. Like, all of that stuff. It's it's about giving you the ability to be more human and get rid of the things that, you know, are, are kind of outside of just having a conversation with someone. Absolutely, absolutely. And and w- w- when we spoke earlier on, I think one of the, the reasons why people should look at Civilis Hire, if we go back to that, um, was the uh, it makes it more of an inclusive process, uh, which is a great thing. But of course, there's probably some things we need to do to make sure we're maintaining fairness and diversity in that hiring process when we're transitioning to this system. So what are the things we need to look out for? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think the main thing, the main thing that you need to do is... is well, it's just measure what is going on with it. You know, once you start this process, it's not easy, um, but it is worth doing. And, and once you've kind of gone through the process and overhauled everything, uh, it then becomes easier to find the right people, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, what you have to do, obviously the example I gave earlier, though that, that organisation being the kind of organisation that it is as a, as a public entity, they have to measure everything to the nth degree, you know, and that's, to me, the most important thing when you introduce CVless hiring is making sure that you are holding yourself accountable and you're challenging those biases by measuring mm-hmm. what's happening at each stage and, and looking back. So that's kind of number one. And number two is it's all very well having a CVless hiring process you know, and um, trying to promote equity throughout the process, throughout the interview process, etc. But if you haven't got a diverse pool of candidates coming in the top of the funnel anyway, then it really makes no difference whatsoever. So you you really have to think like, what is it about our organisation that that is going to get people in the top of the funnel um, that are representative? of the world, you know, that we that we live in and that we want to have in our organisation. And look, I'm absolutely, I'm no expert in DEI stuff. Um, the, the, only, the only frame of reference I have is being dyslexic. And as you can probably tell, like, I hate CVs um, because I don't like writing them and I don't like reading them. So, and that's part of my dyslexia. So part of the kind of reason for us being a video organisation is I'm a much better talker than I am writer. Um, although I let the podcast listeners be the judge of that um, but I'm a much better talker than I am writer uh, which is why I use ChatGPT for all my writing <laughs> um, so you know it's giving it's giving people a voice um, in that scenario and that might mean actually there are lots of people that you know aren't great talkers don't want to be on video that's totally fine like if you if you are the kind of individual that thrives in a skills-based assessment, do a skills-based assessment. If you're the kind of person that thrives on video because you're a salesperson like me, you know that's the other thing that maybe you, you have to think about to make sure that you're given that process is think about the job that these people are doing at the end um, of your process because if it's a back-end developer 
Um, you know, having said that, we've hired some amazing back-end developers in the Philippines using one-way video interviews. But if there's a back-end developer and traditionally an introverted individual potentially who doesn't like being recorded, you know, really is task-orientated, wants to get on with their own job in their own time, always gets the job done, they probably don't want to be on video. So make sure that you, you it's fit for purpose. And I think that comes back to the challenge that we talked about before of like a CV could be used universally in any scenario, basically, um, because a back-end developer can send a CV with their experience, etc. But what it doesn't do is it doesn't tell you about the person that's just come off a... Um, whatever it's called, a uh, boot camp, and they were all of a sudden like absolutely firing through um, their kind of Python uh, boot camp side of things. They were doing amazing, but they had no portfolio to speak of. You send their CV in versus somebody with more experience and you might dis- disregard them. So what's the way you can get to that person um, through a CV-less hiring process? Does that answer your question or not? No, it does. It's a good answer. No, I'm with you. And uh, I've got one more question for you. What's the implications of serialist hiring on job roles and descriptions and how we go about designing these? Yeah. Do you know what? In terms of job roles and descriptions, there are better people to answer that question for sure. My take on it is, I mean, it's interesting because uh, there's even... When you look at when, when you get into the sort of the science or the the data of job descriptions, it's things like uh, you know there's it's such a minefield because when you have a male versus a female applicant, a female is less likely to apply for a job that has a certain number of bullet points as required experience, whereas a male, whether he has that, that experience or not, is more likely to apply. Um, so. I don't. I don't really want to give like specific advice on it because it's actually such a technical thing. Getting your job posts right. My advice on the job post side of things, from from just my experience, is just make sure that you're not asking for things like certain certain level of experience. That you are talking about the opportunity to learn within the role. That you're basically making it very very clear that. These are the skills that ultimately we want somebody to have in the long term or the medium term or the short term. Um, they're all trainable. They're all things that we can offer as an organization. But if you think these things excite you and you have the cognitive or skills or whatever, knowledge to go on, you know, to join our business and thrive in these core areas, then you should apply for the job. So it's less about requirements. It's more about opportunity for growth uh, and trying to get the candidate to kind of align what they believe they can, will have, you know, whatever been good at in the past um, or will be interested in the future and how they can bring that to the organisation. But that's not based on science. That's just based on the, my, my kind of opinion of it, I guess. Well, I appreciate your opinions and your advice today. Um, if any, anybody wants to find out more about yourself or Willow, what, what should they do, Woody? Uh, yeah, best thing to do is just to uh, add me on LinkedIn, Andrew Wood uh, on LinkedIn, or um, just get in contact with the sales at willow.video. I get that email along with the rest of the team. Um, or just head to willow.video if you want to find out more about the business. Legend. Well, thank you, Woody, for being a part of Talent and Growth. I've enjoyed our chat. Thanks, Paul. Good to be here. 
Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. All that I ask of you, all that I ask is you hit follow or subscribe to this podcast series. It does help us attract new guests and you'll make me really happy. See you next time.